1: Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Bill Williams here live on the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. We cover down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is is Friday. We often call it Fri-yay around here. And Boomer's on the board. Hey, buddy. How you doing?
2: Hey, (laughs) Fri-yay. Hit that explosion of the
1: applause. There it is.
2: All
1: right. (laughs) He made it. We made it. We made it to the end of another week. It's, uh, by the way, it's been a full week. I mean, like dynamically full. And uh, today has been no different. News is like popping up left and right. Uh, The Paul Pelosi attack video just got released. It's intriguing. Um, We're about to watch a vote, which is underway right now. They're counting the votes to see whether or not Ronna McDaniel is going to maintain her position as head of the Republican National Committee. Uh, that's big doings. And then uh, we've also, um, maybe tonight, got the release of a video coming out about uh, police brutality in Memphis. Uh, and then did you see the crazy video last, Did you see the video last night of the uh, undercover sting video by Project Veritas on the Pfizer executive? What? No, yes. I did not. <laughs> oh, How did I miss this? Listen, man, you got to see this. So apparently, apparently, old oh boys is. Uh, is I think he's gay. I think he was on like a thought he was on a, a date with a guy, and he says he was just trying to 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 lie to in, in influence the the date, right? But what he was doing was saying that Pfizer has been doing all kinds of stuff in the background on the vaccinations and, and doing mutations of the uh, of the uh, the virus in order to increase their ability to sell vaccinations. And Whoa. then and then when uh, the guys from Project Veritas came out with their cameras and said, "Okay, basically you're on candid camera," he had a complete meltdown, screaming trying to call the police, attacked them running around the room. It was down on the floor. It was, it was unbelievable. Oh, wow. Like a, a, like a large child having a tantrum. He just, he just had a meltdown. Um, So yeah, I I mean, who knows that all might come into today's (laughs) show. I don't know. It's not what I'm planning on, but heck we got stuff laid on and sometimes stuff takes over, but um, all right. Hey, listen, we got a lot of stuff on the line for you. Three o'clock today. Uh, police Chief Everett Johnson, who is the head of the Alabama Fraternal Order of Police, he's going to be on with us at 3 o'clock today to talk about proposals for legislation to help back the blue, not not to defund police, but to actually back the blue. And we're going to talk about that more as part of the Triple Dipper and then at 3 o'clock with Chief Johnson, so y'all stay tuned for that one. And then at 4 o'clock, my friend Becky Gerritsen, who is the head of the Eagle Forum of Alabama, uh, she is hot on the idea of uh, – Uh, school choice. Eagle Forum has been working on some model legislation. Uh, May have had some meetings even today with key officials here in the state. And we're going to get an update from Becky Gerritsen about the proposal for uh, school choice legislation here in the state of Alabama. And then on top of that, we still got a triple dipper. So hit it, man. The triple dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you've got to know as we run today's show. Number one, back the blue. That's where I'm going. We're going to talk about violence against police officers, which is sort of epidemic around the nation right now. Record-setting losses of our men and women in blue. And we're also going to talk about what can be done about it. So back the blue, number one on the uh, Triple Dipper. Number two, didn't get to it yesterday or the day before that. Policy matters. And it's a, it's a play on words. Policy matters. And we're going to talk about policy matters. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about what happens when the executive branch says, yeah, here's what we believe and why we're going to do certain things. What kind of a regulatory environment does that create? What kind of a frenzy does that create among special interests? Well, yeah, see, policy matters. So we're going to talk about that. And I'll give you some examples. And then number three, word games. This one's crazy. The number of words that are considered to be triggers that you're not allowed to say anymore. College campuses banning the use of certain language. The actual Associated Press coming out with its preferred use of certain words that defies the English language. Okay. Word games, number three on the Triple Dipper. You're going to want to hear that one. It's a hoot. Um, All right. let Let me jump over there to my comments. So my opening monologue, every day I do this. Look, this is school choice week. We're going to talk about it later with my friend Becky Gerritsen. We've talked about it some during the week. But this is School Choice Week. Nationwide, there's a focus, an emphasis, if you will, on asserting that in America, we value our children. And as such, we want what is best for them. We want what's best for them in every way, which includes wanting the best for them in education. So as conservatives, we want to know that our children are being taught the best possible levels of reading, writing, arithmetic, sciences, technology, history, civics. In essence, we want an actual education. We want our kids to be safe. We want them to feel valued, to have a positive social interaction, and to be truly educated, which includes having an outcome-based education that rewards success and remediates failure. But it stays focused on what is best for the child's education. Sounds reasonable, right? Well, listen, conservatives want our children to be educated. Liberal progressives just want our children. Now, think back to your own school days. Do you remember those times when we were taught to keep our secrets from our parents? To literally conspire with your teachers to say or do things that your parents wouldn't like and then not tell our parents? Just to enjoy that salacious nature of having an trusted adult to help us rebel against our own family. You don't You don't remember that? Well, neither do I. None of us do. Because it's wrong. And any teacher who tried that back in the day would find themselves out on their ear. Okay, never mind that one. I'm sure you recall all those halcyon days of learning when you sat in biology class and you learned about the fundamentals of biology and anatomy and physiology and you took tests on the topics. And even though the textbooks told you what was, that you were also told by your teachers that despite having to pass that test, that it was really bunk in reality, that the textbooks were wrong because any male could be a female and vice versa, simply just by identifying. oh, Oh, wait, you don't remember that? Neither do I. None of us do. And any teacher who tried that one back in the day would have been run out of town on a rail. Okay, well, all right, all right, all right. Those two aside, what about that time that we were taught in English class to use proper pronouns based upon the standards of use for the English language? And then went down the hall to our next class and had another teacher tell us that we can just misappropriate pronouns for our own satisfaction and that she can be for a he and that they, them can be used on a singular person. Wait, 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 wait. That didn't happen in my school. And I guarantee it didn't happen in yours either. But it does now, and it happens far too often. And any teacher back in the day that attempted this tripe would be sent packing forthwith. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Maybe those three things didn't actually happen. But I feel sure that you recall those days when you were taught that this nation, the same United States that won two world wars and abolished slavery and put a man on the moon and invented the modern industrial age and more, that this nation that you grew up in, it really didn't start in 1776. It started in 1619 with slavery. And this great nation is systemically racist and not worth saving. Was that in your history books? Actually, it was not in mine either. And any teacher who tried to force that kind of dogma on our kids would have been looking for work the next day. Now, listen, it sounds like I'm being a bit sarcastic saying these things. I know. Maybe so. But they're happening every day. Every single day, we are catching more glimpses into the activist factories that some schools have become. Schools where every value, every belief, every patriotic vibe and faith-based position is supposed to be taught, well, they're being laid bare and vacated by activists who pose as teachers. It happens every day now, and we're beginning to see it more and more. Now, listen, here's the thing, and here's where I flip the script. I will pause here and say that I know and believe that the vast majority of educators are not at all on board with the kind of educational indoctrination that I just described. They're not. There are patriots and godly influences in classrooms all over the nation, and they have a calling to truly love and educate our kids. But too many of them are aware of what happens in the next classroom to theirs, and they don't do anything about it. They're reticent to get involved. They don't want to face the shouts and the aspersions. And so too many good teachers are silent in the face of the foolishness being perpetrated by their coworkers. We need to know that fellow educators won't sit idly by and say nothing in the face of this woke indoctrination. Because listen, parents will rally behind a good teacher. Good teachers are everywhere, and they need to move to take back their profession from the crazies who are trying to co-opt it and make a mockery of the profession of education. I guarantee you that if a teacher sees a neighboring classroom being set up as a so-called safe space for kids to change their names or pronouns and even their genders, allegedly— or the classroom down the hall where they're taught to despise the flag of the United States. Or the denial of scientific reason by attempting to tell students that regardless of what they say on their biology test, that in real life men can get pregnant. Well, good teachers who see that and call it out, they'll have parents and concerned citizens getting their back. I guarantee it. But here's the thing. Now that I've said that, we got to keep up our end of the bargain. Gone are the days where we can just turn a blind eye. Gone are the days where we can just shrug our shoulders and say, well, it's not my kid, so it's not my fight. You see, progressive liberals want our kids. And if it's not your kid today, then it'll be your grandchild tomorrow. It'll be that sweet neighbor's kid who plays in the yard next to yours. It'll be the little minions that run in the hallways of your church and play on the playground in the corner and get too loud in the grocery store. So if a good teacher, a good teacher, of which there are many, if a good teacher someone who values children and truly values real education, takes a stand for one of those kids, it is our mission to get that good teacher's back. The creed of the U.S. Army Ranger says, I will never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy. We have to stick together. If you see it, you say it. And we get each other's back, and we never ever settle for letting progressives indoctrinate our kids in schools. Good teachers and good folks can make a difference. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. Fired up, Boomer. Yes, I'm <laughs> saying. But there are man. There's tons of good teachers out there. But there's also tons of good folks, good teachers, who sit idly by and go, "Oh man, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved." Well, you got to get involved. If your calling is education, then don't let your profession be stolen by the crazies. I'm just saying. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Well, i tell you what, uh, news is breaking right now. It appears on the uh, right side screen there in the right side studio. Um, yep, looks like Ronna McDaniel has won her fourth term as RNC chair. So, yeah, Mitt Romney's niece, who presided over uh, very tepid results over the last two election cycles, she gets to stay as the boss, and I don't understand that at all. And I can't help but wonder, you know, I, I really liked uh, Harmeet Dillon. Uh, Harmeet Dillon, um, a a head of the Republican Lawyers Association, a constant uh, commentator on Fox News and others, um, ran against her. But then so did Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell was never going to wind up being the head of the RNC. He wasn't. And I can't help but wonder if his candidacy wound up being a spoiler because I need to see how close the votes were. But if it turns out that Mike Lindell got enough of the uh, vote uh, to split the anti-Ronald McDaniel vote, then then it would turn out that he's the spoiler. Um, but, um, anyway, Ronna McDaniel, uh, she gets rewarded for mediocrity and she gets to stay on as, um, uh, the head of the RNC. Hey, before I, I tell you what, Boomer, I just showed you so that, have you seen, Ooh. okay, New York City? Yes. Like what the heck? Well, what what were they thinking? Okay, so here's the deal. Let me back up. The audience is like, what are right? We're talking what about? are they even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you you and I know what we're talking about. <laughs> Let's let everybody in on it. Shh, here we go. You ready? Um, no. Have y'all have you, have you seen the idol? The like the pagan idol that was put up on the I guess it's the courthouse in New York City. Unbelievable. And so they took down a statue of Teddy Roosevelt because he's controversial. You know, Teddy Roosevelt. I mean he. Whatever. Anyway, they took down the statue of Teddy Roosevelt and they put up a statue to honor abortion. And it's a, uh, are you putting it up on the screen, bud? I'm, I'm
2: good. I'm about to right now. Yeah, Just give me about
1: two minutes. Half of me doesn't want that thing associated with our, our right side broadcasting. But this thing looks like some pagan idol to sacrificing your children, which is appropriate. I mean, it's a, if you haven't seen it, it's a tall golden figure. That, that's biblical too, isn't it? When Daniel told to bow down in front of the, uh, the, the tall golden statue of, uh, was it Nebuchadnezzar? Mm. Um, but anyway, so a tall golden statue of a woman? Except she has these long braids that don't look like braids because they coil out over her head, uh, around the, both sides of her head like ram's horns. There's a, a symbology for you, a little Baphomet going on. Uh, and then her arms are for some reason are replaced by multiple tentacles, uh, which are a bit weird. And then she wears this, um, this this thing across her chest that's that's very similar to what uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg used to often wear. Uh, and um, it's just the whole it's, by the, the whole thing is creeping people out. Well, yeah, and it should. Whose idea was this? I want to know who the approving authority was for this. I mean, at what point does someone go, well, you know, we've done our due diligence, and we certainly appreciate the efforts of the artist, and we believe this is a good fit for us. Nobody likes it. And not only that, a lot of people don't want to be near it, and they certainly don't want it standing over their courthouse. Mm. Um, and then I, I saw uh, our buddy Yaffe, who's been on the show several times, Yaffe just uh just tweeted out uh, just a minute ago, he says, I don't tend to stand anywhere near this thing because I'm pretty sure God's going to open up the earth to swallow up its followers any time now.
2: Um, but uh, did you get that image to put up there? Yeah, it's going up right now.
1: Okay, so if you're watching the live stream at our website, www.rightsideradio.org, or on YouTube, Right Side Radio on YouTube, um, Boomer is putting it up right now so you can see this abomination, this this idol, this this absolute... I mean, I'm not kidding you, y'all. This one does not look like something where you go, Well, you know, I guess beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Well, you know, it's it's art. You know, art's kind of weird. So no. This is looking like some kind of pagan goddess that we're supposed to sacrifice children to. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Oh boy. Yuck. Yeah, that's uh that's that's pretty gross. Is that it on the side there?
2: Yeah, right there on the side.
1: Can you get a like? Can you get another image with the full thing that the other one you had?
2: Yeah, it didn't load, but I'll see if this one will right here. All right. Oh, yep. Give me two seconds. All right, we're putting it up,
1: <laughs> Put it up because it's important that we see things and call it when we see it. I know. Speaking of call it when we see it, I want to go back to that thing that that monologue I had. In a minute, we'll start the triple dipper, but um, with back the blue. But I, I got to say, I got to reiterate what I said a moment ago. Um, with with regards to teachers knowing what's happening in other classrooms in their building, say something about it. I just want to encourage you. Say something about it. But then y'all all the rest of us, when that when that good solid person says, "You know what? Not in my school. I'm not doing this." When that when that superintendent, when that school counselor, when someone says, "That that should not be happening in our school." Well, we got to get their back. We can't let them take the heat. We can't let them face retribution from the liberal progressives who want to scream out and dox everybody who doesn't like their position. I'm just saying we can't let them be abandoned or, for that matter, feel like they're all alone in their claims because none of the rest of us like it. Oh, you got the image up now, don't you, bud? Yes, sir. All right, if you're watching the imagery, uh, Boomer has the pagan idol up on the screen so you can see it. Good night. That is just an abomination. Uh. That, that's not even art that's just that's just gross. yeah okay. all right well the Medusa tentacles and the Ram's horn and the uh, the, the ode the the joys of abortion apparently are being celebrated as we put up art now whatever. <laughs> all right coming back now we're gonna jump into the triple Dipper back the blue. Um, back the blue is literally designed to talk about the the men and women in police forces around the nation who put themselves in harm's way on a daily basis. They are our troops. They are our personal defenders, and they deserve better than what they're getting right now in some places. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right. Covering down on some ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about we are way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. Thrown in just for good measure. Hey, by the way, uh, the text lines are open. You want to text in, we'll take it. 833 687 Four 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 eight. That's eight three three six eight. Right. That's also a call-in line. But if you text in for the very first time, tell us your first name and where you're from, so we can uh, we can you know plug you in the system and then call on you when we see your text come through. Chris from Madison uh, just texted in and said uh, the description of the statue in New York simultaneously gave me chills, nausea, and a feeling that I need to bathe. I, yeah, I I get it, I get it. Hey, number one of the triple dipper, back the blue. Um, so I, I, first of all, I will just tell you, this show is going to always wind up being a show that supports our men and women in law enforcement. It will. Now, I can't imagine it ever not. But, but that being said, it's also amazing to me, the sentiment that we see in some places that somehow it's like, I I saw this weird bias sometimes when I was in, in elected office that people would just, the, the, the script would just flip for them. Like a switch inside their heads. You're an elected official? Oh, then you must be, they just like all of a sudden they lump you into some kind of category and they objectify you. Well, we're seeing too often that's what's happening with law enforcement in this nation, especially since the the rise of Black Lives Matter and the protests that were allowed to occur across the nation, and the fact that liberals wind up holding several key offices that wind up making the laws tougher, even to the extent of defunding the police but yet never once, you know, minimizing the things they still had to do. They were told to keep doing the same but with less. Well, the Alabama Fraternal Order of Police is calling this out in a big way. And the Alabama FOP, um, in in fact, top of the hour, you're going to want to stay tuned because Chief Everett Johnson uh, who is uh, uh, the head of the Alabama Fraternal Order of Police. He will be on the, uh, on the show with us talking about some things. But he is, by the way, when I got ready for the show today, I find that he's already been quoted all over the place. He's, he's been in multiple interviews and, and uh, other articles. Here's one from exactly a year ago almost, uh, January 29th of, of 2022. He points out in that one, he says the storyline from, from me, ABC 3340 back then says six law enforcement officers were shot across the country at 48 hours. One officer was buried Friday, that's back then, and his partner's funeral was Saturday. And the violence towards those sworn to protect and serve is taking on a toll, taking a toll on recruitment, according to the Alabama State Fraternal of Order, Order of Police. So Everett Johnson, our future guest here in a few minutes said it's very difficult right now. It's incredibly difficult. Every agency across the state has a shortage of law enforcement officers. They are leaving if they have time to retire, and they're leaving the ranks as fast as they can. In 2021, just before this article was written, 346 officers were shot in the line of duty nationwide. 63 of those were killed. It's a number that the FOP calls historic. And Everett Johnson says, and I'm sure he'll say on my show too, that the anti-police movement has plagued our major cities and it's led to an increase of disregard for law and order and disregard for life, especially for the officers who put their lines on the line every day. Well, by the way, I, what I love is this. He's a not afraid to mix it up. So Chief Johnson got into it with the mayor, the liberal mayor of uh, Montgomery, uh, Stephen Reed. So story here, February of last year. Everett Johnson, our future guest. Says the Alabama Fraternal Order of Police is at odds with Montgomery Mayor Stephen Reed, according to a story here on Alabamanews.net. Says, as we continue to see crime increase in Montgomery, the city is working to find a resolution. They're implementing long term effects or efforts, working to increase bails, the development of crime prevention. But here's the thing Mayor Reed, and remember, when you're in charge, man, your words matter. Mayor Reed comes out and goes, We can't look for the short term fix short-term fix leads to lawsuits. A short-term fix leads to trigger-happy cops. That's the mayor. That's the mayor of one of the biggest cities in our state. Daring to say that by taking a stand uh, on either short-term or long-term fixes, in this case short-term, that it could lead to trigger-happy cops. Let me point out to you that police officers have more firearms training and oftentimes more than the military. Depending on what you did in the military, you may not have near as much firearms training as a a police officer does, at least with their service weapon. So Everett Johnson, our guest here in a little while, he said he believes that that kind of comment adds more fire to the concept that police are somehow the problem in our society. They're not part of the solution. In his words, he says, we have a community that is trigger happy, not our law enforcement officers. It's heartbreaking that these men and women go out every day and then the mayor turns around and says that they are potentially trigger happy putting a persona on them that they are just here to cause some kind of violence and mayhem. Well, of course, the mayor responded because that's who he is. I mean, he couldn't, he was, you know, touchy much, but he comes out and goes, well, it's easy to twist words behind a keyboard. Where were you when I put two officers in every car, when I gave them 20% pay raises, when I tried to stop the anti, so bottom line is what he's going was, nuh-uh. Well, the bottom line is you were wrong, mayor. You were wrong. Accept it. You painted an image of trigger-happy police when you know that's not true. So as we back the blue, consider this. There is a rough job out there, and Alabama's got some of the roughest places for that job. I mean, the men and women who serve in law enforcement, whether they be county or municipality, or, or for that matter, even some of the uh, the law enforcement agencies that, that, that protect our college campuses, because some of those are autonomous. Uh, I know one guy who's a chief uh, of a a major a four year university, and it's a full time job, man. He's got a force, uh, and they do good work. But whether or not you are the the chief or part of the rank and file, uh, you know you're a beat cop or you are the uh, the sheriff of the whole county, doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is, there is a difficult job out there, and there are days when it goes by smooth as you can imagine, and there are other days when I'm sure they question why they do it, especially when you consider some aware they do it. And right now, a story here that I've got from August of last year. It's no surprise. Birmingham, Alabama ranks as one of the murder capitals of the United States. By the way, this story came out in August. By the end of the year, Birmingham had set, I believe it was a 40-year high for murders in the municipal limits of Birmingham. Doesn't take into account all of Jefferson County. We're talking just Birmingham. So as you consider what police do every day, also recognize where they are. Birmingham, Alabama, it says, ranks right up there with New Orleans, Baltimore, and then Birmingham, the third highest last year at per capita rate of murder per population. Everett Johnson again, commenting for Fox News nationally. So I think you could see a trend in increased violence across our country as a whole. Birmingham, just based off per capita murders, falls in line with what's going on in the rest of the country for the past two or three years. And he went on to talk about what a difficult job it is. He says, based on my knowledge of Birmingham and similar cities, they have a very lenient bond process and pretty much a signature bond that lets you back out regardless of the crime. And when violent offenders are not locked away, violence increases, said Everett Johnson. I don't think it's a lenient bond system and a lenient criminal justice system. No, he said, I think it is a lenient bond system and a lenient criminal justice system. And he basically says, we've got to stop putting them back out of the street like that. If we arrest them, if we in blue put cuffs on them and bring them to you, if they're innocent, I get it. But if they are habitual violent offenders, why are they back out on our streets committing more violence? And oh, by the way, sometimes targeting police in the process. Well, there's a new thing going on right now. It's gaining some notoriety. I've got an article here that we'll talk about in just a minute. When we get back from the break. But December of last year, an article here from a group called Nondoc that's it's called Back the Blue Laws are Gaining Popularity. So back the blue laws are the ones that literally say it can be a hate crime to attack a police officer and intentionally try to do them harm. And oh, by the way, there's other things we can do, too, like stop the defunding madness or, 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 or stop the uh, the leniency on the signature bond or the no bail movements that we're seeing nationwide. All right, Boomer, take me to a break, man. We'll go about a minute and a half earlier than usual so I can come back and have a little time to clean this up before Chief Johnson comes on. We're in back the blue, number one of on the Triple Dipper. Y'all, I'm telling you, as much as we love our military, we have to love our first responders. And today I'm focusing on those that serve in law enforcement. You Leos out there, we love you and appreciate you. Do not let them get you down. Do what you do. It's a calling. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. We are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, text lines have gone boom, uh, boom boomer, um, but uh, a lot of them are texting in on this topic and, and also on that statue that's in New York City, that idol. Uh, Bruce from Hazel Green just texted in said, proud of my daughter and son. One works for the FBI, one works for the Huntsville Police Department. And I said, awesome, and I uh, gave him my regards for raising them right. Uh, thank you for what they do. Um, uh, we got plenty more, but also got somebody. Is that Sparky? Sparky on line one. How you doing, bud?
3: Hey, I'm awesome, Phil. Great show, great segment. Um, thank you, sir. I uh, like you. I I was military for for a career, and uh, I was self aware enough to know that um, the what I did as an aviator was uh, was uh, fairly demanding, but it was I was I was self-aware enough to know that I wasn't tough enough, tough enough or strong enough to be like an army ranger, or ten of me wouldn't be strong enough to be a a navy seal. And and I look at police officers in in all the communities I've lived and worked around the world, and I I admire them. Uh, it's a thankless job, and I know that they're wired, they're built and wired some way that I'm not, because you got to be strong, you got to be brave, you got to have lightning reflexes. And you and you got to be fair. And uh, of all the contemptible things that I think the the far left and these socialist Democrats in Washington right now, of all the contemptible, intellectually dishonest things they've been up to in the last few years, this business of turning communities and minorities against cops is probably one of the most evil, vulgar, and obscene things that that, that they're up to, and they're shameless about it. Uh, I have I have great contempt for. For everybody who, who uh, is behind this scheme to cause chaos and violence in our in our urban centers, it's, it's, it's one of the worst things I, I can imagine.
1: Well, it is. It's also it's, it's amazing because, you know, you and I grew up recognizing police officers as that person you could trust. If you were a kid and you got in trouble, but you saw a man or a woman in a police uniform, you felt safe going to them because you were told that. And now it almost feels like there's a sentiment out there that says, don't trust them which is just the opposite of what these people really are. I mean, there's there's not been any devaluing, in my opinion, of the values that uh, that made someone a police officer 30 years ago compared to now. But for some reason, the sentiments on the outside, it's become okay to, to objectify them and, and mitigate who they really are in society.
3: Well, it's all about the maintaining political power. If I convince you to think the the way I want you to think, you're always going to come vote. Vote Democrat. So therefore, they teach them to hate law enforcement. They teach them to hate conservatives, Christians, Republicans, uh, right-leaning independents like myself. It is not. Here's the great things we do, and then we want you to be proud to vote Democrat. It's we want you to hate the hated other side. It's fomenting hatred. And and man, what a what a vulgar and horrible thing.
1: Yeah. Good yeah. gosh. Yeah. You did great great points. Great call, Sparky. Appreciate you as always, man. You have a great day. Appreciate you. Bye. All right, he's so right. By the way, I could never fly a helicopter, so Sparky, you're the man. But, um, but yeah, these these back the blue laws. I think it's important that we look at this. I mean, there were times when uh, I would be in Montgomery and we we're looking at state laws to benefit veterans, and there was a period of time there where I felt like every day somebody was bringing another "Let's do this for a veterans" bill. It got a little bit like to the point that I would go, you know. <laughs> I get it, man. I'm not going to vote against it, but we don't have to have all this stuff. We we love what we did. We're proud of what we did, but you don't have to keep saying and 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 here's another thing for you in the law. Like here's another, you get a free pass on this, and you get uh, a, a tax benefit on that. And okay, great, but, um, but you know what though, there are times when we have to go down there and protect men and women, or provide opportunities for them to do their jobs better. And when we continue to watch people get out of jail free, despite what the police officers had to do to get them to the jail in the first place, or for that matter, we we don't have stiff enough penalties, or we don't make it worth the while to uh, be recruited into the force. Listen, we got to do these things. And, And so the whole defund the police movement has been shocking to me. Because what are we seeing right now in the cities where they defunded the police, when they actually did it? Boomer just said it, chaos. I mean, just this literally, it's madness. And Boomer, you got family out in Oregon, so I'm sure yeah. they're seeing it in some places out there. Oh,
2: absolutely. The Portland area, right when everything started happening, was just it. It was destroyed. Yeah. It or I was. mean, really, really was. I mean, no one wanted to go downtown because they didn't know what was going to happen, and the beautiful city was just. Which
1: yeah, by the way, the, the, the police still had to do their job. Yeah, and they exactly. But they were told they were told to not do it, or they were told to do it more, you know, I don't know, friendly, or for that matter, then they were told to do it with fewer resources, and then good luck trying to get backup. Oh um, right. And then when the mayor calls you out, as opposed to the people that are tearing up your city. I got to be honest with you, though, man. There were some of those Portland and Seattle riots with Antifa, mm. uh, where there were federal law enforcement guarding one of the uh, federal courthouses that just body slammed some Antifa knuckleheads. And it was, I, just, I cackled a little too much. Just saying. <laughs> I got a little too happy. A
2: little too much. Yeah, just it's one of those that I wanted to
1: retweet it nine times a day. Everybody watch this. Watch it again. Oh, watch it a third time.
2: One more time.
1: Antifa Boy <laughs> went down hard. Um, Back to blue laws. So in various states right now, according to the article from Nondoc that came out last month, in various states, lawmakers have begun to reclassify law enforcement as a protected class, even providing hate crime statutes for law enforcement, and uh, restricted local government efforts to defund the police. And you've seen efforts, too, in some places like, if you defund the police, do not ask for state aid. If the state, don't, don't call for the State National Guard when things go bad. <laughs> if you defunded your police which is a dicey position to be in, by the way. Uh, and they, they've got new laws on the books in some places to increase the limits and the penalties for protest-related crimes, limiting the filming of police officers, which, by the way, is entrapment. And, and, and not, I'm not saying you can't film. What I am saying is it's, it's absolutely, to me, nauseating to watch people get their cameras rather than help stop the crime or intervene when the police officer is struggling with a perpetrator they, they whip their phones out so they can stream it on social media and blame the police officer for doing his or her job. And it's not like, it's kind of like what I said earlier about teachers. I, I know we got this case in Memphis, which I haven't seen the video yet, but I hear it's bad. And we're going to find probably that some police officers did some things they shouldn't do. But what happens is that's not the narrative. Those are the one-offs. That's like saying every soldier in uniform is somehow a baby killer in Vietnam. No, they're not. No, not by a stretch. The same is true of these police officers. When you see a bad apple, understand it's a bad apple. It's not a bad profession. Um, poll came out last year. No, two years ago. There was a poll done in the wake of all the Black Lives Matter activism and the defund the police movement. Check in to see. By the way, I, I find it amazing we had to poll this at all. Like, why Why is this even a poll? but usa today there you go usa today in march of 21 ran a poll and they had a pretty good response only 18% only 18% supported defunding the police as a movement 58% said they opposed it and then they broke it down into racial demographics whether it was whites or blacks that were more for or against but the reality is by and large it was a bipartisan issue they don't like the idea of defunding the police and making life harder for our men and women in blue. All right, we're going to come right back. We should have a call with Chief Everett Johnson from the Alabama Fraternal Order of Police. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national. We cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, we've been doing this segment now for the last half hour that I called Back the Blue. Uh, and that's that's where we are. This show will always be there for the men and women in law enforcement who go where they go and do the hard things in the hard places. And we couldn't do without them. Um I really appreciate, by the way, the text lines are open. If you want to text in, you are welcome to it. Uh, the text line number here is 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Um, people are texting in already in that regard and in, uh, in, in supporting men and women who do what they do in law enforcement. Um, uh, one of them uh, just uh, texted in, where did it go? Darn it. Uh, Bert from Owens Crossroads says he did 20 years in federal law enforcement. Many of his friends are still in state and local offices and He talks about the fact that we have cycles. It's like you have law enforcement's loved, law enforcement's not loved, law enforcement's loved, law... And, he, and he references back to 9-11 when you know, all of a sudden everybody wanted a police officer around. Um, but uh, I, I agree. Danny from Decatur talks about the fact that Riverside County, California, sheriff's deputy about uh, three weeks ago made a traffic stop, shot and killed by a three-time convicted felon. The judge had let that guy out even though they have a three strikes law in California um, and it shouldn't have happened. Uh, listen, we're going to go to the phones right now with somebody who knows better than me. Um, Everett Johnson has spent 20 years in law enforcement. And he is now uh, the, um, uh, the the head of the Fraternal Order of Police for the state of Alabama. He's been very outspoken on the issue of back in the blue and on legislation uh, that might help in terms of use of force standards. So without further ado, let me bring on uh, Everett Johnson, uh, Fraternal Order of Police. Thank you for making time for us today. How are you, sir?
0: Hi, sir. Thank you for having me on appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. Well, listen, first of all, uh, appreciate what you do in your career and, uh, some of what I've read that you've, that you've said here and there, I appreciate you being outspoken. How about that?
0: Well, you know, it, it, it comes a time where, where you, you have to put it out there in the light that there's segments of our society that don't support law enforcement and, um, and call them out on that. You know, they, they, they they claim black to blue in front of a microphone and then turn right around and do things to undermine the the integrity of a law enforcement uh, profession. And that's, you know, you just have to have to call them out on it and make sure that they are uh, looking at things in the true light.
1: Well, and, and I appreciate that. And yes, you're right. Um, and this show exists in part for that. But let me ask you, just before we get into the specifics, um, with your career in law enforcement over two decades I mean, it feels to me on the outside of law enforcement like we're seeing an increased anti-law enforcement sentiment around the nation. Am I right in saying that, or is that just my perception because the news picks up the hotspots?
0: I think you're seeing a a segment of our society that's not necessarily the majority, but a uh, minority segment of our society that... Uh, utilizes the media and any any forms that they can to put a negative light into law enforcement. I think they promote that, um, they magnify that. Uh, but I feel, as a whole, the majority of our society uh, respect law enforcement, appreciate the job that they do. Um, but you know, they they they're the ones that that have jobs and have uh, responsibility and and are are focused on taking care of their families and their lives and are not activists out here on the street trying to destroy our society.
1: Well, that's a great point. And I do agree. I think the vast majority of our society still appreciates the men and women who serve uh, in law enforcement, um, the rank and file all the way up through the leadership. And, and uh, But let, let me ask you this, before we jump into what use of force legislation could involve, you, you wrote a piece recently, and it came out in AL.com, among others, uh, about the Darby family. And, I, and I'm not mistaken, I think we just had a member of the Darby family try to call in. We weren't aware they were going to call, so we may get them back on later. But Talk about the situation with Officer Ben Darby from Huntsville and, and what transpired there, if you don't mind.
0: Well, uh, Officer Darby uh, was a Huntsville police officer. He responded to a, or to, to back up some officers on a suicidal subject, a subject with a gun. Um, he arrives on the scene. The officers, my understanding, the officers on the scene were not in a situation to protect themselves and to uh, put themselves in a safe place to de escalate the situation after many uh officer darby shows in uh, comes into the scene uh, immediately begins to take control of the scene and and gives the uh the guy with the gun seven opportunities to uh to drop the gun and and to surrender himself the guy refused uh apparently made some type of overt movement that officer darby felt like was a danger to himself and the other officers and he and uh, had to use force to uh end the situation which resulted in the death of this individual um, he was cleared by his agency for uh, for uh, policy and, and procedure purposes. Uh, they found that he did nothing wrong, but yet the uh, prosecution district attorney's office uh, felt differently, and they proceeded to press charges against Officer Darby and uh, had him arrested. He was convicted uh, for, I believe, manslaughter, and he's now serving time at Limestone Correctional Facility.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> Okay, I, I look at this, and, and from your description of it, I'm, I've, I have a hard time fathoming that there was a conviction. I mean, number one, he was responding. There were multiple officers on the scene. The guy did have a firearm. He, he was he was threatening, and 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 Officer Darby had resisted taking immediate you know uh, action to use force. Uh, he was very restrained. Seven times he warned the guy, but then you're telling me that he basically was cleared. That the Huntsville PD found that it was. And I hate to use the term, but it was a good shoot. I guess is what I would say. That, that, that he was cleared by his own agency, and yet the DA still found, um, and I guess a jury found, that he should go to jail. Am I right?
0: Yeah, that's correct. Unfortunately so, yes.
1: Well, so the standards in the law, and I'm an attorney, so the standards in the law can be applied. Like in a medical malpractice case, you look at not did the doctor make a mistake, but did the doctor act outside of what the reasonably, you know, uh, the reasonable standards would have been for another doctor in a similar situation? You know, within a reasonable degree of medical certainty, did he act correctly? But then we're looking at now, within law enforcement, what's the standard? So if somebody, you know, a police officer has to shoot someone, what standard do they apply to that officer, legally speaking, to see whether or not he or she acted outside the, the bounds?
0: Well, that that standard, it depends on uh, of, of what uh, prosecutor is looking at um, you know uh, in the in the civil side of things, uh, Graham v. Connor is the is the standard on a civil case. But but when you're looking at law enforcement, particularly on a I would call a criminal side where you're investigating that case, to determine if, if that officer acted uh, in you know in, in what type of criminal intent. Um, it just depends on what uh, what attorney you ask as to whether that's the standard or not. And uh, so that's why you know with with Graham v. Connor the uh, Supreme Court ruled about uh the standard or, or looked to the eyes of the severity of the crime at hand whether that person posed an immediate threat to the safety of the officers or to the general public and whether they were um, actively resisting arrest or attempting to evade arrest by flight you know and and so with with uh officer darby's situation you know the, all three of those things were at issue you had a subject with a gun he he had uh, he had the the means to cause harm, and he was resisting what we call would be arrest when he's refusing the orders of lawful orders of an law enforcement officer to surrender that weapon and 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 be allowed to have himself taken into custody. So
1: well, so um, I guess I guess part of the the issue then is does Alabama need legislation that establishes a true legal standard by which officers will be held in the event they have to go stand before a criminal proceeding. And, and and the well, v. Converse standard you talked about it actually came out as the objectively reasonable standard, um, in in light of all the facts and circumstances. So, do we need to have that declared in the law so that it's a, a, a clear application across the board?
0: Well, I, if we don't have it in the law, then it needs to be a, a adopted by our uh, investigators around the state as well as our district attorneys to adopt that. But you know, to codify it, that's that's a question that legislatures need to ask themselves if that is that the case. But we're definitely are looking for a standard of investigation and prosecution when it comes to uh, looking at this thing through the eyes of a law enforcement officer.
1: Well, so um, I know your your organization, the Fraternal Order of Police, advocates on behalf of uh, men and women around the state that serve in law enforcement. So are you guys proposing legislation this year? Do you have any advocates within the state legislature you think might take this up?
0: We're actually in conversations uh, about that at this time, but we're looking more for, um, you know, during this,
1: Oh, did we lose him?
0: Ways to standardize investigations.
1: I'm sorry. Hey, Everett, you you broke up there for one second. So to start that back again, if you don't mind.
0: So when the when the article was written, we were discussing that, but and and that is still on the table. But you know, more ways than not, we're trying to find, or excuse me, more more than so, we're trying to find ways to standardize. Uh, the investigative practices and the use of force uh, when it regards use of force for law enforcement officers okay so we feel like if we could get some type of standardized investigative purposes as well as uh, present those investigations to a district attorney to determine that that the officer met those objectives or did not then you can go from there but but you know a one district attorney thinks differently than the other and this is not a, a an assault on our district attorney's offices by no means. We just want to know what is expected of these officers when it comes to their training and their response to situations. And here, this case, Officer Darby uh, followed his training. He had had uh, additional extensive training on how to handle uh, these situations, and he responded according to his training, but yet was prosecuted. Well, how is that fair to the law enforcement community when you when you put these standards of training there, but then at the same time, we are going to be prosecuted for abiding by those trainings.
1: Well, and how is that fair to his family? Um, and, exactly. and, and I look at that, you know, there, there was, there were times uh, in my service uh, downrange when the rules of engagement were very uh, difficult to navigate. And, um, and that's what you're dealing with right now. What are the rules of engagement and then how will you be held accountable later just for doing the job that you were trained to do? Hey, um, Everett, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we appreciate what you do, the men and women who serve. Uh, and uh, you got a friend on this show, and so we uh, hope to have you back on sometime soon. All right?
0: Absolutely. Thank you for the, for the opportunity to talk. All
1: right. Thank you, sir. Well, that was Everett Johnson, 20 years uh, as a law enforcement officer in, uh, in and in an officer, rose to the rank of lieutenant down in Montgomery, now serving as the president of the Alabama Fraternal Order of Police. Um, that's an interesting dynamic. And I tell you what, uh, if that was a member of the Darby family a moment ago, Boomer, then we just need to get him back on the line if we can and see what's going on. But uh, all right, let's take the break right now. We'll do it. Number one of the Triple Dipper, Back the Blue. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right, covering the entire northern half of the great state of Alabama. Uh, hey, listen, we're going to go to the phones again. I did not expect this. Uh, we're about to have uh, a guest caller. Uh, and I will tell you, too, Raven from Russellville just texted into the show and he said, Phil, I advise all right side ruffians uh, to support the police to become associate members of the fraternal order of police. Just his opinion. That's a great idea. I didn't know you could be an associate member. So there's that. Uh, but let me go to the phones. Um, so a moment ago, we talked with uh, Everett Johnson. And in the course of the conversation, one of the things that he cited was the case of Officer Ben Darby from uh, Huntsville, who um, has uh, now uh, at 17 months, I believe, in prison, um, convicted for, some would say, just doing his job. On the phone right now is his wife, uh, Keelan Darby, uh, who is also in law enforcement herself. Uh, Ms. Darby, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for having me on.
1: Well, thank you. And uh, you guys have been through it, but um, do do me this, if you would. Shed some light on the circumstances, uh, as you understand it, uh, with your husband and, and where y'all are at right now.
4: Yeah. So, um, like Everett said, he, was, he responded to a call for service when officers asked for help. He got there, uh, saw that the officers weren't handling the scene from a safe vantage point. He stepped in gave Mr. Parker several opportunities to drop his weapon. He didn't do that. Mr. Parker posed the threat to them and made a movement. Ben took that as a threat against himself and the other two officers, and um, he had to stop that threat in front of them. We went to court after – that was in 2018. We didn't go to court on it until May of 2021, um, which was a fiasco in itself because of COVID, and I wasn't allowed to go into the courtroom – Um, It was completely closed off to the public. We watched it through a Zoom feed, which in turn was turned off with no warning, which is a closure of the courtroom, which is a violation of his rights. Um, We go through the week of trial, and the jury convicts him. The jury wasn't properly instructed on – and you're an attorney, so you're aware um, of how that works. They weren't given proper jury instructions. They weren't given relevant testimony to hear. They weren't allowed to hear from a training instructor that trained Ben on the concept of action versus reaction. Um, many relevant things that exonerate him is exculpatory evidence that would have not, he wouldn't be in prison today if those things were heard. But that jury, in my opinion, and several others, was forced to convict him and they convicted him of murder, um, which currently he has a 25 year sentence. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, At the very beginning of all this, the DA said, just fire him and we won't convict him. The city of Huntsville and the chief and everyone there said he didn't do anything wrong. We're not going to do that. The DA charges him. Uh, We go through the court process, wait for COVID, finally get a trial. Right before trial, the DA says, take this uh, plea of manslaughter. No prison time, five years probation. You won't have to go into custody. Ben says no. I didn't commit manslaughter and I didn't commit murder. I'm not going. I'm not taking the deal. We go to court. He ultimately gets found um, guilty, and then we go to sentencing. And he asked for 25 years. The state minimum in Alabama is 20. So tell me it's not personal when you say just fire him and we won't do any. We won't deal with him about it. And then you ask for 25 years. There's no. There's no reasoning for that logically.
1: Let, let me ask you this, uh, Ms. Darby. And um, and by the way, thanks for. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for uh, what you do personally, and I, I guess I guess you're still on the job in law enforcement too, right now, aren't you? So I won't say where, but you're in another force. Um,
4: yes, sir. I, I've this is my seventh year. Um, I work uh, as a sergeant over patrol over a 12-man unit.
1: Well, um, well, thank you for that. Um, so the situation with your husband. I mean, I look at it and think, yeah, I hear, I hear, I heard five or six things in there that are appealable. Um, was there, I mean, not the least of which is the closing of the courtroom, which created an unusual environment that, that made it uh, suspect. But but are y'all on appeal right now? Does he have appeal appellate processes underway?
4: Yes, we are under appeal. Um, we filed February 1st of last year. We had oral arguments granted to us in August and actually had that hearing November 10th. And we're waiting on the Court of Criminal Appeals to issue that decision. Um, we have not heard anything from them. And unfortunately, they have no timeline, so they can answer us today or they could answer us yeah. next November, but there's no pressure on them to make a decision.
1: As the, um, so, uh, I, I, I have I'm to sorry. ask you this, too. So you've got a situation where your husband was cleared by his department, backed by the city. Did they provide you adequate counsel, or did you have to pay out of pocket to your, your own legal fees?
4: So they provided us counsel for his initial trial. Um, which was a blessing in and of itself because that was over $125,000. Wow! Um, so the city took care of that. And we are on the hook for his appeal, and we're about at that. We're at that amount now. So um, people have been generous in donating, helping us with his appeal costs. Every cent that is donated goes to appeal fees. I don't take anything from it to live on personally. So um, we've had major people back us, including the state FOP, like uh, Mr. Johnson, who was just on. The national FOP uh, supports Ben Darby. The Pipe Hitter Foundation. Um, You go to com, and people can hear more, learn more, and uh, donate to help us with that.
1: Well, I tell you what, I hate to do this to you, but I have a hard break that I can't get out of. It's going to start in about 30 seconds. But let me just ask you this. Would you mind holding on during the break and finishing up with us when we come back? Absolutely. All right, you stay tuned unbelievable all right folks phil williams right side radio y'all stay tuned we'll be right back side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering the entire northern half of the great state of Alabama. Listen, there's sometimes we do a show and the moment that you're in gets a little bit, uh, it gets gets viral. Like, you know, you got to stay on it. You can't just say, okay, it's time to switch to the next segment. But this is one of those. Uh, Started off today with a whole segment called Back the Blue. Talked about the fact that there is a defund the police movement nationwide that has done nothing but hurt. Uh, that uh, law enforcement uh, still has the hardest job they ever had. In some places now, they have fewer assets to do it with. And then we had uh, Everett Johnson on chief. Uh, Our Chief Johnson was uh, for, is, is currently the president of the Fraternal Order of Police statewide, advocating for what he's calling um, use of force standards to be applied. You know, th- th- just like we have in other lawsuits or, or criminal cases, there's a standard. You know what the objective standard is to apply to the situation at hand, and his implication was that there's not that in law enforcement. Right now on the phone, we're going to go back and talk to uh, uh, Ms. Keelan Darby, uh, who is the wife and a law enforcement officer herself, but but the wife of uh, Officer Ben Darby, who is currently serving time uh, in prison uh, for uh, having been convicted for, um, uh, you know, basically the crime of doing his job, it sounds like. But uh, let's go back to the phones real quick, Boomer. Uh, Ms. Darby, you still there?
4: I'm still here. Thank
1: you. Well, thank you so much for hanging on and uh, and, and taking time with us. And, and let me ask you this. I got a couple of questions, but I also want to get back before you leave. I wanted to have an unfettered moment there for you to tell folks how to support y'all's efforts because towards the end of the segment there, I felt like it was going to get too rushed and people wouldn't be able to hear it. And I want to get that out in a minute. But let me ask you, this. you. Was this. Was this case, you know, we saw so much right now, like with the George Floyd uh, situation and others, was your husband's case was it politically or racially charged? Was it was there were there activists involved in this, or was it just literally a DA and that was it?
4: I would say it was just the DA and uh, a couple prosecutors out of Madison County. Um, we didn't have riots. We didn't have you know. There's no racial element. Um, ben is white and Mr. Parker was white, so there's no racial element. Um, it's just it happened in 2018 when everyone hated cops and it didn't get tried until 2021 um, during jury selection. Ben was um, compared to Derek Chauvin. Well, the, only two different, the only two things that are similar to them are they're, white, they're both white cops, or they're both white males who are police officers. That's the only thing that puts them together. Um, and that's just false. It's inherently false that they're not the same person. But yet that was allowed for the jury the selected jury members to be heard that Ben Darby and Derek Chauvin are
1: the same. Well, that's inflammatory. The um, uh, I would I would imagine that his attorney objected, but you wouldn't know because the video feed was turned off. Um, uh, well, so so let me ask you this then: You guys are in the appellate process right now, and and hoping for something good from the Court of Criminal Appeals. Um, what, uh, if, if, if folks want to help you with this, and that's why I wanted to get you back on the air too, if folks want to help you with this, if there, is there a GoFundMe site? Do you have a, uh, I know you told me that people have been good to try and assist, and I've already got people texting my show right now saying, tell us how to support her. How do they do it?
4: So we have a website. Yeah, so we have a website. It's standwithdarby.com. And on there, we have two different portals. One is through the Pipe Hitter Foundation, which is. Um, concerning Eddie Gallagher, who is a Navy SEAL, who was yeah. uh, wrongfully uh, charged of killing an ISIS person and was thrown into jail, um, was a later later acquitted. But he him and his foundation um, help law enforcement and, uh, I'm sorry, first responders and military when they get in trouble for doing their job. And so we have a portal through them. You can go to pipehitterfoundation.org or you can just go to our website and click on the Donate button, and it'll bring you to that. And we also have a a portal through Fund the First, which is also on our website. Um, We didn't go through GoFundMe because they are anti-cop and Uh. they don't help um, police officers in need. So um, we went through uh, the Drew Foundation, um, which is awesome to have their support and their backing because they went through what we're going through right now. Uh, The Gallaghers went through all of the court process and being illegally charged or uh, wrongfully charged and thrown into jail for doing simply your job.
1: Well, listen, uh, Officer Darby, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you're doing. And, uh, and you know, blessings on you. And uh, we hope to hear good news from the Court of Criminal Appeals. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to post that website, standwithdarby.com, uh, so our listeners and our watchers that are live streaming the show uh, can actually see it. Uh, but it's uh, it's out there, and I think people are hearing you. You're you're broadcasting over half the state right now. So, uh, thank you for what you do, and keep us posted on what goes on. Okay.
4: Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, we're very hopeful for the appeal process. We're just waiting on the courts to make that decision. So, and that could be any day now.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, again, thanks for your time. Oh thank you. my gosh, that's just okay. That one wore me out. Um, but folks, I'm going to tell you. It's a thankless job sometimes. And and I'll be honest with you, as soon as you don't have them, you'll know it. Because, you know, the the people who go, oh, you law enforcement, you just want to pull me over, and write me a traffic ticket, make my life difficult. I guarantee you, as soon as you need them, you'll be saying, where's the police? (laughs) Yeah, won't you? Um, Well, you know what? I'm preaching to the choir right now. Although I'll say this. I got saved while I was sitting in the choir. How about that? I did. I accepted Christ while I was singing in the choir, so don't stop preaching to the choir. So let me just tell the choir right now, all you right-side ruffians out there. Uh, this is a big deal. And so, I, and, and let, it, let it be something that becomes pervasive in your life. Have that moment when you're sitting there at the coffee shop and you see two officers come in to get a cup of coffee. Maybe thank them for what they do. Maybe uh, take a minute and buy their coffee. Or for that matter, you know somebody at church tell them that, you know what, you were on their mind, and thank you for what you do. Or for that matter, you might want to go to this website uh, for the situation that we're looking at right now, StandWithDarby.com. If you believe that that's something you want to support and you want to help uh, Miss Darby, Officer Darby herself, uh, pay the legal bills for her husband just to see whether or not they can find a way through the morass uh, of what he's having to deal with, then then support them. Um, but, yeah, that's... a. Uh, Wow. What a segment, Boomer. I mean, yes. So here's the thing. We're going to move on to the next segment and we're going to have some time to talk about school choice and things that are happening in policy. But folks, I'm going to tell you right now, um, this show supports the men and women blue. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even mind saying it. My decision making when I see an incident that's portrayed on TV, my, my initial gut is to err on the side of the police. Why is that? Because I know they're training. Because I know they're calling. Because I understand what it means to be in hard places doing hard things. And I know what it means to go home at the end of the day and just be thankful that you're there. So that being said, this show, and I, and I make no bones about it. If, if they're wrong, I'll say it. These guys in Memphis, I may have to say something tomorrow. Who knows? But the, but the, the gut reaction that this show is going to have is to err on the side of the police. So... Men and women in blue, we back you. We love you. Thanks for what you do. Boomer, let's go ahead and take the break about two minutes early. We'll come right back, and we'll jump into the next segment, start talking about things about policy and moving to school choice conversation coming up top of the hour with Becky Gerritsen from the Eagle Forum. You're going to want to hear that. Is there going to be legislation this year? I do believe there is. The question is, can we get it passed? All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Uh, you know, I, I didn't say it earlier. My brother just texted. I was thinking about this this morning, but my brother just texted and said, you know, hey, don't forget, our father was a deputy sheriff back in the day. He was. My dad, uh, who had a career in the military uh, while he was going through college at Florence State, now UNA, uh, he was a, um, a sheriff's deputy, uh, I believe in, is that Lauderdale County, I think? Um, I think he was. But, uh, but yeah, he and he still, um, I was thinking about that this morning, so my brother Chris is listening. Yeah, Chris, I was thinking about that this morning as I was getting the show ready early this morning, um, somewhere around 4.30 or 5, I was doing this resourcing on this this segment of Back to Blue, and I got to think about my dad, and and he had, he literally, after, you know, 21 years in the military, I think he had six Bronze Stars for Valor in Vietnam. Um, he, he, he just, he had an incredible, you know, career in research and development after he got out of the combat arms, but... Um, he had his sheriff's deputy badge framed on the wall you know, at the house his entire life, all those years. And um, he was proud of it and, and rightfully so. And that was old school days, man. <laughs> that was, in fact, if, if, and there's, you know what, I, I will say this, men and women in the law enforcement have a hard job, but there's some funny stories that come out of it too. Like my dad talking about them having to run down this guy who they thought might be a bootlegger, and they're you know they're 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 having to chase the car through the backwoods of North Alabama back in the early '60s. So you know it was like dirt roads, <laughs> and and they got there and this old raggedy vehicle. the, the trunk was uh was was wired shut with uh, what looked like part of a coat hanger, a baling wire or something. So they get old boy out of the car, and you know Ernest T. Bass, and they they're, they're putting him in, and Dad goes over to uh to open the trunk. And he has to unwire this, you know, this, this piece of bailing wire. And his partner hollers out, says, "Watch out for dead bodies in there!" Just kind of joking. Dad brings it open, and two coon dogs came jumping out of there. And <laughs> Dad, Dad said he just about lost his skin at that point. He just, you know, didn't expect to see two dogs come jumping out at him. But they've been, they've been, oh boy, had his coon coon hounds uh, uh, bailed up inside the uh, the back of the vehicle as he's running drunk through the backwoods of North Alabama. <laughs> You just, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Wow. Um, but, uh, what, we got text
2: going on? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, lots of text coming through. I see it. Lot, you... Lots of them asking about how they can support. Uh, what was that website again, Boomer? Uh, it is www.stand... Oh, let me find... I don't want to say it wrong, so... Give me one second. I just wrote it. Uh, standwithdarby.com.
1: Okay. All right, standwithdarby.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got... Uh, We've got you know one of our uh, um, <laughs> one of our opposite opinions, I guess I would have to say, uh, uh, one of our naysayers, Jim from Madison, just texted in, does not agree at all with my position. Uh, believes that Officer Darby should be in jail. Um, well, you're welcome to your opinion, Jim. Prove it. Uh, but right now, um, uh, you, maybe you, maybe you say I don't have to prove it. The jury already did. But I would just go ahead and say, uh, you, you can you can go ahead and say what you want. And he's—he's he's, by the way—he's—he's he's, he's getting pretty rude on his. So Jim from Madison, uh, you're a turd, just saying. And uh, we'll move on. Um, uh, Boomer, <laughs> Boomer, did you have to hit the, the blurt button on me there just then, or what?
2: No, I, I just—I I muted myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we just had one other texter too, Ronald. Uh, you can. By the way, Boomer, new texter, Ronald from Rogersville. Ronald from Rogersville just texted in to say he just made a donation. Um, So first time texting and also because he wanted to know, want the world to know he just made a donation at standwithdarby.com. So very cool. And you know what? If the appeal process does not find in his favor, which I would love to find out that it would, but if it doesn't, it does not mean they didn't have a right to appeal, which by the way is extremely expensive. And so I don't mind seeing regardless Uh, but, uh, but I, I suspect that the appellate court is taking its time because there's a lot of stuff for them to review in this. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, all right, listen, we are going to switch gears and I don't know how I'm going to wind up restructuring the rest of this show because I've got to get my head back in it. I am so in right now, this segment with back the blue and then Everett Johnson and then Keelan Darby. I just, I'll be honest with you. I am, I am whacked. Um, but, uh, but I'll just say this, um, I meant what I said a, a while ago, that I do not find myself having any any inhibitions about erring on the side of law enforcement. Those of you that have been a first responder, or currently are, or have been in the military and gone into harm's way, you know that decisions have to be made in a split second. You know that you've been given training, and and then you, you just know that when the situation comes up, how you handle it is going to be scrutinized and all you can do is the best you can do and somebody died in this particular case keep in mind that somebody had a gun keep in mind that somebody had a gun and was not responding to officer's directions keep in mind officer darby was not the first one on the scene so those of you who have been texting in already saying officer darby didn't give him enough time bull crap there were other officers on the scene before he got there so there was plenty of time response. And, oh, by the way, those of you that are naysayers, uh, how do you respond to the fact that his department did a complete internal review and cleared him? I guess you're going to say, well, it was just bias. They were trying to help the brother out. Mm. Okay, sure. Uh, but they also put their reputations on the line when they do that. So they don't just make willy-nilly clearances. We're We're way past the days when you can say, you know, and there was body cam footage. Um, there, were, there, were, there was evidence, and the jury found what they found. But if, if what Keelan Darby just described to us a minute ago is, is accurate, then there were a number of irregularities and potentially objectionable um, and, and appealable uh, matters that occurred, not the least of which is charging the jury. So when you go to court, by the way, the jury has to be told what to expect, and the jury is given their left and right limits. If you've ever been on a firing line or firing range, you know that you go to the range and when you go up, the range control officer will say, Look to your left and you'll see, you know, this black panel. Look to your white right and you'll see a white panel. These are your left and right limits. Do not so that's what they do with a jury technically. The judge will read them their jury instructions and he'll say, Under the law, you must find, if you find this in the evidence, you must find this. And under the law, you cannot consider these things. You must consider this. And they also charge the jury with a variety of things, and to include their conduct as jurors. So, if there's a irregularity there, it's certainly appealable. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's going to be it's going to be something to watch. Um, we also have to look at um, the length of time this has occurred. You know, there's there's an old saying in. Um, and and I know that trials don't always come to to be you know within a close proximity to the uh, to the day of the offense, but I just I mean as a as a civil lawyer, which is what my my practice has always been, as a civil litigator, I, I spend a lot of my time also working the defense side of things. So on the side of civil defense, there's an old saying that uh, uh, everything works good for the defense when time gets taken, meaning. Jurors, you know I mean, I mean, uh, witnesses get tired. They, sometimes they die off. Uh, you know, evidence gets stale. Um, s- feelings get soothed. And, and, and so, you know, time helps a defendant when it comes to um, a civil matter. Not always true in criminal, because in criminal, there's a deeper frustration sometimes that it's taken this long to get to court by the prosecution, or there's a need to get that case cleared. So we're just going to push forward and push forward and errors can occur. Evidence is harder to find to um, mitigate the circumstances or to find a means by which you can get that witness back in and get their testimony effectively on the, uh, on the record uh, for the defense. So just the opposite, I think. Somebody may take me differently. But so just the opposite, I would think, in the, in the criminal side, that time does not help the defendant. Um, you, you know, the quicker you can get a trial, uh, as long as you've had a chance for discovery, the quicker you can get to trial may often be better for the criminal defendant, I would think. There's my, there's my opinion. Um, but uh, um, anyway, listen, moving, moving forward right now, we're going to switch gears. Coming back up top of the hour, I've got uh, 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 Becky Gerritsen. Uh, Becky is with the Alabama Eagle Forum. Uh, we're switching gears completely. Moving on to the next topic. Switching gears to talking about things like school choice. Holy smokes. This is school choice week. And, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know that I've seen as much chatter coming out of Montgomery, as I am right now. We had yesterday, uh, right here in the studio, we had uh, Senator Clay Schofield, who's the majority leader in the Alabama State Senate. He agreed. There's a little bit more, I don't know, momentum, chatter, if you will. And I think part of that is because of COVID. And parents woke up during COVID and said, what the heck just happened on that video? What's going on? The lesson plan says, what? And, And suddenly people are like, wait a minute. And then you had schools that did a lousy job of sending kids home with supposed log-in lesson plans that never worked. And then you had other parents who couldn't log in because they didn't have broadband where they live. And, And all said and done, it was a debacle. And we're seeing right now nationwide that we've seen a setback in scores. Well, school choice is one of those things that has to be looked at. It may not be the silver bullet, the panacea for all our needs, but you know what? Being confined to your zip code certainly hadn't worked, has it? Not in Alabama where we're last in the nation it's not funding, not funding at all. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ruffians out there. You are listening to Right Side Radio. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. and we are back Phil Williams Alabama's syndicated news talk leader here right side radio Phil Williams in the light right side studios doing the local the state the national man we're covering down on all the issues and yep like the dude just said solid conservative and just plain right. Well, hour number three, Boomer, which is still hard for me to believe. But uh, I know.
2: We just flew to it. I'm
1: saying. But, um, hey, listen, we're going to switch gears totally. The whole first two hours wound up being back the blue and, uh, and, and, and dealing with issues surrounding law enforcement and then even having uh, Officer uh, uh, Keelan uh, Darby, the, the wife of uh, Ben Darby, on the phone. Um, that was an amazing segment. But now we're going to switch gears. So, school choice. You've heard me talk about it all week. This is School Choice Week nationally. We're hearing more chatter out of Montgomery than we usually hear. Uh, Some of the key leadership has been intoning that they want to see some things change, finally. Um, And one one of the groups on the front lines of this is the Eagle Forum. So my friend Becky Gerritsen is executive director of Eagle Forum. Uh, she first kind of came to prominence when she was uh, the, the head of the Wetumpka Tea Party and, and took on the whole Lois learner thing and went and testified before Congress back in the day. But uh, my friend uh, Becky Gerritsen is on the line right now, got some school choice legislation we're talking about and just the sentiments of school choice in general. So, Becky, how you doing?
5: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's good to be with you. And I just want to say, I heard you say a new word. Earlier in the in the broadcast, I guarantee a freaking tell ya <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I I've been known to coin the occasional word here on the show. We we I actually had a whole thing where I I, I talked about new words we can use like jackwagon and stuff like that. But uh, yes, um, that's funny.
5: Yeah, so I was like, wow, that's a new one. I'm gonna
1: have to remember <laughs> that one. Well, okay, so, hey, hey, proof that Becky listens to the show, Boomer. Um, that's right. Uh, yes. Uh, Woo. Uh, um, hey, listen, Becky, School Choice, uh, I know for a fact that Eagle Forum has been hard on this issue for a while, and uh, and you guys have been developing some model legislation. Um, we love the idea of seeing something like Arizona or Iowa. What are you planning? What are you scheming? What you got going on?
5: Well, we are supporting a bill called the PRICE Act, and that stands for uh, Parental Rights in Children's Education. Ah. And it is a – Great parts of many bills across the country. So there's really some good stuff from Arizona that's in there. There's some West Virginia stuff in there. There's some model legislation um, pieces from, you know, different model legislation kind of all combined. So it is not specifically a model bill that we just pulled up and changed names on. Um, It really was from the ground up, but pulling the best things that we saw across the nation. So there are a couple of really great points about it. If you just want me to Hit a couple of the highlights.
1: Yeah, I, I I do, and then I really also want to hear too your sentiments about what you think is going to happen in the state house this year. So go ahead.
5: Well, what you started off to say, I definitely think there is more momentum this year. I think there is definitely an appetite. Uh, people were hungry for it last year. It just was lacking, and you know, it just it just didn't quite happen. Um, and actually, we did look at last year's bill, and we some of the folks on our team were were involved in. Consulting on that and, and adding in different things, um, so there there are some. Some of it may look familiar because there are some things from last year as well. But um, what makes this bill a little bit different, and, and Eagle forums stand on school choice, is it has to provide freedom for the parents without the strings. Um, it's their taxpayer money, it is their child, and so this bill is keeping the money with the child. It's universal, so it isn't based on your income level. It isn't based if you're in a failing school. Um, it's phased in over a three year period, but we want all the children to be able to participate in this program.
1: So, are we talking about basically, let me ask you this, Becky, then, are we talking about basically what some refer to as ESAs or education savings accounts, where the, yes. money, the money itself is portable? The child can go where the parent deems best fit for the child?
5: Yes, this is an ESA program. Okay. So money is given – is put into an account. It's not the parent's bank account. You know, it's put into um, a special ESA account, education savings account. And then there are a list of vendors who are, you know, whether they're tutors or the private schools or the textbook companies or the school uniforms, there is an approved list of vendors. Um, So when a parent wants to pay their tuition or buy their books or whatever – it goes from that ESA account directly to the vendor. So there's not cash changing hands between the parents. Yeah. That's run. Yeah. So that's that, kind of how that works. Well, that
1: that makes good sense because that kind of accountability is going to be necessary because you and I both know there are some parents that would pocket that money or, or, or buy things yes. with it that aren't needed. But so, all right. So. Um, I can already tell where the teachers union is going to be on this (laughs) because, (laughs) because that's what they do. Um, but what do you, so you've, you've been, I know for a fact, you've been having some conversations in Montgomery. What kind of sentiment are you getting about this bill? People scared of it? They like it. What are they saying?
5: No, um, it's been very positive. I think, um, I think there's quite a bit of momentum behind it. Um, the part, the hard part comes once it's you know, moving around in the committees and, you know, things get changed. We know that it won't pass exactly the way it is because it bills never do that. We know there will be changes to it, but um, we feel like it's off to a really good start. And there's really, I think parents are really going to love this. And I want to just say right up front, right now in Alabama, homeschools and private schools under the Alabama law they are not required to take any national or state tests right they are not allowed they are not required to be accredited and in this bill several times in this bill it is reiterated that those laws will not change what is working now for the private schools and the homeschoolers is a great thing and we don't want that to change
1: okay so because so, that, that's been a sticking point in the past in our- that's been a safe that's been a sticking point in the past is is some folks claim that you're going to send them out there and there's going to be some kind of willy-nilly uh, academics that that don't don't have any measurable metrics to substantiate that they're worthwhile and and but you're you're saying at the same time though we have to trust that the parents and the private school have put together something already that doesn't need state testing to prove it and, and that's what they're working yes. on now yes and it, it too, I, I
5: loved uh 1819 news did a podcast with Will Ainsworth, governor or lieutenant governor that aired yesterday and and in there he he made a good point that when he's recruiting people to come to Alabama, he likes to be able to see the scores that show, you know, what's happening in our education system. But we have that now. When the kids go off to college, we have those ACT scores that show how the public schools do, how the private schools do, how the homeschools do. We have that data. We don't need to change that. We don't need to start testing children every year with state and federal tests all the way through their colleges or all the way through their education history. We don't do it now. We don't need to do it. We have the data we need. And when you begin to bring in these assessments, as you know, Phil, it's based on curriculum. And these parents want the freedom to teach their children or have them attend a school that teaches a curriculum that they like, that's not woke and is different than what might be on another test. And also, data collection comes in when you start testing. Then all this data is being collected on the children, sent to the Department of Education, and sent out and shared with everybody else. And, and there are many parents that don't want that. They don't need that. It's not it's not necessary. What And Arizona passed their law without the requirement of testing. Yeah. And they're the only one in the nation so far to do it. But they did it. And they said, look, we trust parents the parents that are going to participate in this program care about their kids. They're going to be looking at what schools are going to be best. They're involved in their kids' education well, and you can't spend I, this money on crazy stuff like buying clothes and going on trips.
1: Hey Becky, so let me jump in there real quick because uh, we got about a minute and a half uh, or so left, maybe 2 minutes, but um but so you know, one of the concerns I have not not with the bill, with with the legislature right now is that Some of our champions are not there now. Senator Del Marsh was the school choice champion. uh, And I asked him once here in my studio a couple of months back, and and I asked him who's going to take his place in that regard. He said he has no idea. And then uh, we lost Charlotte Meadows, the only Republican who really had her district drawn to benefit Democrats. Um, She lost her race, and she is truly, has been truly a school choice champion. So who are the champions right now in the legislature, and do you have any bill sponsors lined up already for this?
5: We do. We have those sponsors and we have um, still some more talks that we're having with some of the leadership within the House and Senate um, about, you know, coming alongside with these sponsors. But um, Senator Stutt is going to carry it for us in the Senate. He is very, very on fire about school choice right now. Um, And he's really looking forward to working with Dan Roberts and some of the others who were very instrumental last year. So I think that that's going to be fine. And Ernie. Yarborough yeah. is going to carry it for us in the house. And he was raised as a homeschooler. His, their friends went to jail because they were homeschooling. This was back in the day in the 80s. And he is extremely passionate about this. And he will be a great champion um, well, to carry this for well, us. We've
1: had both those guys on the show. And I serve with Larry Stutz. He's a good dude. And um, so um, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Becky, keep us posted as this goes along because this show is like super on fire about the idea of school choice. And I, and I I really do believe we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And money's not the issue because we've upped our education budgets every year for the last 10 years. And, and yet we still have states that we outspend that do better than us because they're doing something different than us. And, uh, so that being said, uh, thanks for being in the fight on this and keep us posted on how it goes. All right.
5: it's time for this, and I want to tell everybody the price is right. Price. Parental rights in children's education. The price is right.
1: All right. Go hey, for it. <laughs> hey, tell them where they can find out more about Eagle Forum if they want to.
5: Uh, AlabamaEagle.org, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at AlabamaEagle.
1: All right. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you.
5: Okay. Thanks. Have a great weekend.
1: You too. Bye-bye. All right. That's good stuff, man. I tell you what, Boomer, take us to the break. We'll come right back. We'll kind of wrap that up and then I think I'm going straight to dipper number three. I'm going straight to word games. You know what we're going to do? We're going to lighten up the last half of this afternoon <laughs> because this is some goofiness. This is this is where the trigger words, this is, these are the words you're not allowed to say. And I happen to already know one of uh, Boomer's least favorite words. <laughs> Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. <laughs> We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Switching gears. Totally switching gears. Moving. I'm, I'm skipping over number two on the triple dipper. I'm going straight to number three. Before I do that, though, I got to tell you, it's, it's Friday afternoon. It's almost go home time. You, you got tomorrow morning is, is a Saturday. It looks like it's going to be a good weather weekend. You know, kind of crisp and not cold, but crisp. Although it was in the twenties when I woke up this morning, maybe this maybe tomorrow morning's the morning you think, okay, I'm getting up in the morning and I'm doing something special for breakfast, but I'm not going to destroy the kitchen. Just Love Coffee Cafe. So Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. They got some breakfast, man. I'm talking about go down there and get you some fancy coffee. Charlene calls it the treat coffees, like the cappuccinos, the lattes, the espressos. Or you can just have them grind the beans fresh and make you a steaming cup of black, light roast, medium or dark roast. But they've also got like the omelet, the giant omelet cooked in a waffle iron, filled with everything in the world to include tater tots. Mm. They've got waffles. They got eggs. They got all the stuff, man. I'm just telling you, it's different than usual, too. It's not like Waffle House or something else you get into the drive-thru. It's going to be different. All of those have their place, but Just Love Coffee Cafe has its own place. So check them out. Saturday morning might be your time. Go enjoy it, and then head out into a great day. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations: one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And please do me the favor of telling them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Um, all right, Boomer, what's your
2: least favorite word in the world? Uh, I on. don't know. I I was. Once you said that, I was like, ah, I have to figure this out. Cause the word that gives you the heebie-jeebies, the one you don't like. The one that I don't like. Ah, I, now, you, see, I you, just keep going to the fact of I know the words that my wife doesn't like. So <laughs> <laughs> I, don't say those words. Don't say those words. So Okay, so g- give me a word that she doesn't like, and I bet I bet
1: it's going to be one that's on everybody else's list. Uh, the, Let me what? guess. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Moist.
2: Yeah, oh, that's Oh, my it.
1: gosh. That's it. I, so I had a friend of mine that hated that word, hated it. <laughs> really, he, he wanted to know what my word was, and I wasn't going to tell him. <laughs> and I finally said, "All right, fine." For some reason I've never—I hate to say it—I'm going to say it. Everybody's going to text it to me. It's going to be awful. I hate the—I hate the word soil. Ah, oh, geez. Really? I don't know why. Huh. It's just—it's just—it's just a word that just like comes out like sandpaper on the tongue. So, all right, so what do you do with words you don't like? All right, so so here, here's my question for you there, Boom Shekaleka. All right, all right, I'm ready. What do you do with words you don't like?
2: Um, Just... Find a better word? You just find a better word. You just don't say them. I mean, but how can you make other people not say them? Okay, what a
1: great segue <laughs> to my point. You, that was not planned. That wasn't planned but but at all, because I, <laughs> I didn't know where you you're going with it. <laughs> so, how about this... What, why, why is it that liberals are constantly on the the, the, the war path to change our dialogue, to, to literally to, to remove things from the lexicon of American culture and tell us that we can no longer say certain words because they are now deemed offensive or trigger words? So, okay, fine. I don't like that word that I'm not going to say again. That, yeah. But anyway, I, I'm not going to go out there and tell everybody in the world they can't say it. Right. Okay, part of that is just because I get it. I'm a grown up. I recognize people may not like the word I like or vice versa, but that's just the way it is. That's life. Not so with the the liberal move to realign the English language. Like, for instance,
2: (laughs) I'm. I'm so I'm excited to see what this is. Like, it's trigger words. It's all these trigger. It's words. all these trigger words. that like, we're not allowed to say anymore, correct?
1: Apparently, you can't use the word mummy in English. <laughs> really? I just mummy. I don't know how to. Sc- anyway, Fox News has a story that came out two days ago. Oh, now take oh, it back. Man. It came out today. UK museums shy away from using mummy to describe ancient Egyptian <laughs> remains because it's dehumanizing. Poor mummies. They've got nothing else to do. They, <laughs> These are first world problems, I'm telling you.
2: Wow. So
1: the National Museums of Scotland in Edinburgh and the Great Northern Museum uh, in Newcastle have decided to avoid using the term mummy, preferring to use mummified remains.
2: Oh, I was about to ask what they're going to, you know, say for mummies. I don't. I don't know. Mummified remains. Hey, that guy that was wrapped a long time ago.
1: Now, it is weird <laughs> that in England they call mother's mum or mummy. Oh, right. So I thought at first it was heading down that road. No, no, no. It's just because it's dehumanizing. It's considered politically incorrect. It's considered to be somewhat of a slanderous term now, to use mummy. Mummy is not incorrect, but it is dehumanizing, they say, whereas using the term mummified person encourages our visitors to think of the actual individual. We don't give a rat's hind end about the individual. They are
2: gone. They're done. They're done Baked.
1: (laughs) Yes, they are are wrapped in toilet paper for the last 2,000 years. Why do we care? I mean, so, and by the way, we know it's a person. We're not, we get it. We're not, we're, we're not sitting there mocking them, but this is not a big deal. And yet they're making it a big deal. So yeah, in a whole blog, uh, the great Northern Museum's assistant keeper of archaeology, Joe Anderson explained that the language change is necessary. And it relates especially to one particular ancient woman who's been on display named Ertu, I don't know how they knew her name, Ertu. Um <laughs> We're going to come back. I got a whole segment here on words we're not allowed to use and what happens when they change the language, how confusing it can get. Just tell me what to say. And then, by the way, I'll tell you what I'm going to say. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. To Right Side Radio Solid Conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio Solid Conservative, and just plain right. Covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama, I'm talking about we are way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to gas parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Um, hey, folks, listen, before I go any further, one of our, our, our original sponsors, ZLA Solutions, they've been with us since the beginning of this show. ZLA Solutions is doing amazing work at putting people and jobs together. And so, listen, if you're looking for a job yourself, you can go on their website, ZLAUSA.com. They've got jobs posted all over North Alabama. they got a new thing going on right now. They are hiring for high-tech jobs in the Huntsville area in a new facility that many of you will probably know what I'm talking about when I say a new facility that is being built. Uh, it's a brick-and-mortar job, so you will show up to work, but it's high-paying, white-collar tech jobs. ZLA Solutions, they've got them on their website right now. You can see them. And these are these are big time jobs. So ZLA Solutions they can hire everything from a full shift of people, onesies and twosies with niche skills, white collar, blue collar, red collar, no collar, don't matter. I'm just saying, they can do all of it, and they're good at it. That's why they've had the biggest year they've ever had. So check them out. Jobs they can fill them. ZLA Solutions at zlausa dot com. All right, Boomer, back to the word talk. You ready? Oh yeah. Okay, so. Were there words, not cuss words, but were there words that like in your household growing up or maybe raising your own kids now, that certain words were, we don't use that word in this house? Did,
2: did, oh, you, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, it come to mind right away? Oh, well, you don't say, you don't talk back. You don't say no. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, that was the main word. No, exactly. Like I tell my little boy. <laughs> How did they learn that word? I don't know, but they,
1: <laughs> but they know it pretty quick. They know it so no! fast. You know what's funny is my daughter, when she was little, she 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 learned the word please and thought it was a magic word. Didn't matter how you said it, mm. and she would look at us and go please, and we go no, no no darling please. We no no darling please, and she'd scream it like the word itself unlocked things, but <laughs> uh, the sentiment mattered. But no, we we had uh, we were not allowed to say shut up. Oh yeah, that was a big one. Uh, that was that didn't that didn't happen in the house. And when you did, you had to apologize because it was like saying you're saying something that no one else wants to hear, and you don't mean anything, so you shut up. Mm. Um, and that so that was not allowed. And the other one was fair, so that would have dad. It's not fair. We don't use that word in this house. Fair life's not fair. Mm. Uh, let's let's figure out how to work through this. We are not talk about fair. So that's 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 like that's for that's for participation trophy people. Oh
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Snowflakes. I i get you when I said Snowflakes. That. <laughs> so what happens, though, when um, in the in the word games, what happens when they go to court and they have to deal with pronouns now?
2: Oh, boy.
1: I am not kidding you. So I've got a story here. This came out in November, just a couple of months ago. This one came off in National Review. Ed Whalen, National Review, did this story about a, a prosecutor who was apparently um, admonished by a California appellate court for misgendering the accused. Misgendering. Misgendering the accused. Let me make sure you understand what's going on. So Jasmine identified as a female, led the police on a dangerous chase in her car and continued to do so identifying as a female through the commencement of her prosecution until time for trial when Jasmine switched back to being a male. So now you're in court not knowing what to do because you got a a dude who says he's a chick who was arrested claiming to be a chick and all the records say is a chick but now comes to court and wants to be identified as a male and the you can tell the lawyer didn't the prosecutor didn't know what to do and got admonished by the court for misgendering. Wow. I kid you not. So here's here's a they give an example of how this could go. They said, let's think about what this rule means. A man is on trial for rape. He identified as a male at the time of the alleged rape, and anyone looking at him would perceive him to be a man. But he says that he now identifies as a female. So the prosecutor is supposed to refer to him with feminine pronouns throughout the trial, including in questioning the witnesses. Things like this. Now, Miss Witness, tell me what happened next. Well, I looked behind me and saw a man approaching. What does she look like? Well, he looked exactly like him. What was she wearing? Well, he had on shorts and. A, you see, what I'm saying that's so
2: confusing. It's
1: ridiculous. It's, it's just stop.
2: Like with that, okay, in the court of law with all these now pronouns and stuff. Yeah, is that something that could be? I see. I'm not familiar with all the the law stuff. Is that something that could be mistrial? Or what's it called? Uh, like create a mistrial? Yeah, a mistrial. Or, or, or something that's appealable? Because, because it's, it's so confusing of, or it's written down wrong or the jury just got it wrong because they're... Well, and, and did it did, <laughs> I don't did, know. did,
1: it, did it in some way, uh, uh, you know, uh, it prejudice the jury? Who knows? Right. Um, but it depends on the law of, the, of that area. Okay. The, the jurisdictional requirements are going to matter. Um, in Alabama, I don't think you have a problem with it. In California, apparently so. Oh, my goodness. How about this? You know
2: what dead naming is? Dead naming, naming it's a, it's, the dead. It's a big deal, dude. You what is it? Dead naming is is that accurate? Naming the dead. Don't
1: don't call, don't call the trans person by their original name because that's not their name anymore. You're dead naming them. What TikTok has banned dead naming. I kid you not. TikTok wow. story on NBC. NBC, Phil, you went to NBC. I did. Story came out in February of last year, eleven months ago. The social media giant TikTok explicitly banned certain types of anti-LGBTQ content, such as deadnaming, which is considered using a transgender person's pre-transition name, and or misgendering. Well, I got to ask the question, did they ever legally change their name? Because if your birth certificate says your name is John, no offense to John from Huntsville, if your birth certificate says your name is John, and now you want to be Jane... Have you legally changed your name? Because if you haven't, then why the heck do I care? Now, you can nickname yourself Jane all you want to, but I get in trouble for dead naming you because I called you by the name I've known you as for 20 years? I I don't think so. But that's a thing. And this is what happens when you play word games. That's why we're in this whole segment right now. By the way, it's going to get deeper here in a minute because the, the Associated Press came out now and is concerned about people using the and and, and it it gets to the point of have I got a caller on the line I, you got a caller on the let line me, let me quit I, I, was, and I just a real quick thing on dead name I'm gonna oh, oh good <laughs> let me let me quickly run to that was that Brian oh Brian yeah. from Huntsville. how are you doing brother
0: mighty fine it's been pleasant to listen to you all today well thank you sir. dead naming. Dead naming is simply reading off a list of a Democratic voter. <laughs> yeah, have a good
4: one. <laughs> Bye all.
1: Ah. Oh, uh. okay. <laughs> Brian zinged that one. Have you got? A, have you got applause for that one? Hit, 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 oh, we got the, the audience needs a no. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Brian from Huntsville. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. In the area all day. Um, okay. All right, Boomer. I'm ready. You, you and I—we're not reporters per se. We we report some things, but we're not reporters. Correct. All right. So we've never had to worry about the Associated Press's style book. No. Which is not about how you do your hair. Is that your quaff? Is that your quaff? Not right. my quaff. Your quaff. We're not worrying about your quaff. All right. Uh, what we're talking about here is how you write and what terms you use and what terms are more appropriate and how best grammar should be used and yada yada yada. Well, the AP style book just came out. This story is dated. Today, Fox News, the Associated Press's style book was once again mocked on social media after its latest suggestion to do away with terms involving the word the because they dehumanize people. So, OK, if, if people could see the camera right now, they'd see me rubbing my face. <laughs> yes. The, they say, and this, this, and this gets funny, too. Here's the phrase or the, or the quote. We recommend avoiding general and often dehumanizing the labels, such as the poor, the mentally ill, the French, the disabled, the I still no one knows why the French are in there.
2: <laughs> the French.
1: Why why did they do that? They went to the poor, the mentally able, the disabled, and the French. I don't know why that was <laughs> I have to step aside and go. What did the, did the French guys make them mad? What happened?
6: <laughs> but you can't
1: use the because the is somehow dehumanizing. It lumps people into a grouping, it, 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 it swarms them, it says. And, and so, yeah, they got some blowback. A Washington Post uh, columnist uh, said the people experiencing journalism, with AP, have their work cut out for them. <laughs> uh, a guy over at Red, or a lady over at Red State says the AP is run by children. And everybody wants to know why they included the French in the example. <laughs> God, God,
2: The French. God save
1: the French. Um, all right. Continuing wow. with this. I don't know which one I want here. Michigan State University. Which one do you want? Michigan State or Brandeis College? Let's do Brandeis.
2: Brandeis. Okay.
1: Brandeis. Does anybody go to Brandeis? Apparently they do. So at Brandeis, <laughs> story in the New York Post, Brandeis University which I believe is up in, I'll look it up later. Anyway, students and faculty at Brandeis University are being urged to stop using words and phrases like picnic, trigger warning, and rule of thumb because of what a campus counseling service calls their links to violence and power to reinforce systems of oppression. Well, by God, when you put that picnic basket together and gave it to Yogi Bear, you had no idea you were systemically oppressing that bear. I know. Bear, bear with me. Bear with me. So that was a, <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 a compendium of... <laughs> I'm, I'm losing it over this whole segment. A compendium of a potentially oppressive language posted on the school's website by its Prevention, Advocacy, and Resource Center lists all kinds of loads of gender-exclusive and ableist and culturally-appropriative terminology that can get in the way of meaningful dialogue. And the oppressive language list is put out by the student's
2: Oh God. This is they put it out by the seat. This is the snowflakes
1: you were talking about.
2: Oh man.
1: So first of all, you don't use picnics because it says it says that picnics are associated with the lynchings of black people in the United States in which white spectators are said to have watched while they enjoyed eating.
2: So where do they get this?
1: This is what happens when snowflakes are given the power to set the tone for words.
2: Wow. How about I mean, rule
1: of thumb? rule of thumb can be replaced with just saying the general rule is because the rule of thumb means allegedly it comes from an old british law that allowed men to beat their wives with a stick as long as the stick was no wider than their thumb did you i mean what the for the how many people I don't know,
2: yes what i mean i and we can't, thumb, uh, that never, ever crossed my mind. And we
1: can't say trigger warning anymore, even though that's apparently what they live for. <laughs> we can't say trigger warning. You know why. It intones gun violence.
2: Mm, pulling the trigger. These people are going to get their
1: degree in underwater basket weaving and go out in the world and get nothing done. I'm just going to tell you right now. Nothing.
2: But I nothing. made up these words that you're not supposed to Here, say. Here's a trigger
1: warning for you. I'm going on a picnic. How do you like me now? Take me to a break, brother. We'll do it right now. We're coming right back for the last sections, the last moments, the last trigger words of the day. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, right side radio, solid conservative and just plain right. Boomer, look at the screen. They're talking about don't say the French. That was right there on the screen to the right. They just finished saying it. They're, they're really? literally. Oh, I, I my think, goodness. I think the five listens to our show to talk about what to say next because they were just doing that right <laughs> there on the screen. Hey, folks, before you go any further, I got to tell you, uh, my friends, and they are indeed my friends at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, are doing an amazing job. They got decades of experience at, at helping people to be made whole. Uh, due to the negligence of others, not the least of which is they've been working, they got like five lawyers working on this Camp Lejeune water contamination case, which I understand has a time limit on it, and there's a, uh, a, a still an open window for that. If you were ever at Camp Lejeune between 1953, 1987, big spread there, you may have been a service member, a, a contractor, a, a dependent family member, doesn't matter. You may have been exposed to what has been confirmed to be contaminated water. And Riley and Jackson can assess it over the phone. They can tell you whether you may or may not have a claim and literally get you, you know, on board. They won't charge you for the phone call. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Here's the thing. They're based in Birmingham, but they work statewide. And they are doing this stuff right now. And and I don't know these folks personally. We've worked on issues. We've worked on cases. They're the kind of firm that I would like to say is not just right on the law. They're also right on the issues and the politics, if you know what I mean. So here's their number. Are you ready? 205-879-5000. 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. Please do me the favor of telling them you heard about it on the right side. Um, hey, here's that thing I got to do, too. No representation made of the quality of the service before it was great the quality of the service before the lawyers. That was a good one.
2: That was good. I'm <laughs> sure we're going to get the time over here <laughs> from... Yeah, some of our listeners time yep. me when I do it. All right. Hey, back to the,
1: uh, the final portion here of, um, apparently it's word games. It's, it's things you can't, so Boomer, uh, you may be, uh, interested to know that at Stanford University oh, with, with just, you know, an amazing reputation as an educational institution.
2: Oh, okay. Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. Stanford <laughs> University has recently published its harmful language initiative.
2: Uh, you can't say these words at Stanford. All oh, right, let's hear it. I mean, first of all, don't, you stop, stop, saying
1: <laughs> stop saying American. Stop
2: saying American.
1: Stop saying American. Uh, American tends to uh, slight the rest of the Americas, and so it's better to go ahead and just say U.S. citizen as opposed to you're an American.
2: No, I'm American. America. (laughs) I'm American. America. America.
1: That's right. Uh, Immigrant's out. Don't say immigrant. Uh, It's better to say a person who has immigrated.
2: Illegal immigrated people? Uh, How about that?
1: (laughs) You can't master your subject at Stanford any longer either. Don't master things. We don't. If I don't know what to do about master's degrees, but you can't. I was just about to
2: say, what about masters? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But that that historically intones slavery. Oh, so man. you cannot say that you've mastered a topic or gotten a master's degree. Uh, and don't you dare design a blind study while you're there. Don't do it. Just just stop, please.
2: You know when I when I was doing real estate, they told me I couldn't say the master room bedroom. I've heard that. You really were told that? I was told that. I said, uh, no, I'm going to still say master's be- the master
1: bedroom. <laughs> master bath. <laughs> the yeah. master bath. Here, here's one for you. Gangbusters. You can't do
2: gangbusters. Gang-
1: well, that invokes the notion of police action against gangs in a positive light, which actually is, is not good because, you know, the police are always evil when it comes to gangs. Gangbusters is out. Gangbusters. Well, that was Stanford. Then there's Michigan State. Michigan State. State, National Review has a piece on Michigan State from actually a couple of years ago. They had not just a little bit. They have an entire inclusive and culturally sensitive service to residents and guests uh, list of things you can and cannot say. Like, for instance, you don't say but, not B-U-T-T, <laughs> just B-U-T. But she replace with and. Why? They don't even know. <laughs> what? You can't say I apologize. You need to say it's more appropriate to say I'm truly sorry. You can't you can't using use the word triggers. You have to use calmers. These are calmers. We're dealing with calmers, not triggers. Whoa. And if you're saying no problem, don't say no problem. That leads the customer to believe that they could be the problem or that they never even see a problem. It's, no, just just don't do that. Just just say. And by the way, don't say it's our policy, boomer.
2: <laughs> don't say that. Don't say it's That's our policy. What really you need to horrible. say is, here's
1: what we can do. That's more important than saying, well, our policy is. What you say is, here's what here's what we can do. <laughs> These are called calmers. Calmers.
2: They calm the person.
1: Here, let me, let, me, let me help you with a sentence. You ready? Oh, please. It's our policy to have picnics with friends who use real pronouns, and especially if they are among the French, but we will master the use of going gangbusters on trigger words. <laughs> <laughs> moist, moist, moist. Moist. <laughs> Oh, oh my
2: gosh. Say all the words. These are first say them folk, all. These are first world problems. First world problems. What are they gonna do at these schools when people just write it in their papers? Are they gonna give them a bad I grade? I don't know. They're I not mean, gonna they're so, not gonna pass. So if you're gonna if, fail. If you yeah.
1: <laughs> so you pay good money to get their a master's degree, and then when you tell them I'm so excited about master's degree, hey, 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 hey. they're gonna
2: soon say I can't fail because fail includes a failure. Oh. Oh, hey. oh. Here's your participation trophy. My, I'm gonna get thank, my snowflake trophy. Thank you for showing up.
1: Yeah. All right, you guys. Listen, what an amazing, what an amazing day. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, some of y'all have already asked again uh, that um, that website, Boomer. What was that uh, oh for for Officer Darby? Do you have that again? I don't have it with me right in front of me right now. Um, but yeah, that wow. was an amazing segment. And uh, and think about whether you might want to support. Yes. You guys have an amazing weekend. We'll be back here on Monday, 2 o'clock. We'll see you then. Standwithdarby.com. Standwithdarby.com.